Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, listeners. Welcome to this new episode of my podcast for learners of English. Just before we start, I'd like to let you know that I have recently uploaded uh, Premium Series 29 Part 2. And in that episode, I'm doing pronunciation drills. Okay, listen and repeat pronunciation drills for the target language that we dealt with in Part 1 of Premium 29. Okay, so if you ever listen to my podcast and you think to yourself, Luke, Could you do some sentences where you say the sentence and then leave a pause so that we can repeat after you? Because shadowing is great and everything, but it's a little bit difficult sometimes when maybe you speak quickly or it's basically just a bit difficult to keep repeating while you're speaking. It's a bit, it sort of makes my brain hurt. I don't know. Do you ever think that to yourself? If you do, then good, you're thinking in English. Anyway, the point is, yes, I do those in premium series. In Every premium series has got pronunciation drills where I say sentences that contain target language that I'm hoping to teach you and then give you time to repeat those sentences after me. And I break them down, all of that stuff. I use my particular set of skills to help you to try to learn to speak like me. That's the idea. Okay, so Premium Series 29 Part 2 is available now, Premium subscribers. And if you'd like to become a Premium subscriber, then just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. How are you doing today? Hmm? Hmm? How are you? You all right? And you might say, oh, I'm not bad, Luke. Or could be worse. Mustn't grumble. Can't complain. Not so bad, thanks for asking. All of which are quite normal British responses, even if they do sound on the negative side. They do a bit, don't they? How are you? How are you doing? Oh, could be worse. Mustn't grumble. Can't complain. Not so bad slightly negative or maybe you could you could go more positive and you could say well luke i'm great i'm fantastic i'm radiant today luke positively radiant i am glowing with happiness i am ecstatic i am joyful all of which are synonyms of the word radiant by the way which is a nice word isn't it although it's it's to be honest it's not that common for people to say i'm radiant in everyday conversation so you know, there's a nice word. Just don't use it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you know, you can if you want, you can use it. It's your life, isn't it? But anyway, if you are radiant, good. And someone is now going, but Luke, how do you spell radiant? Okay, I'll spell it for you. R-A-D-I-A-N-T. Radiant, meaning kind of glowing. And certainly if you say, I'm radiant this morning, you look positively radiant. That would mean you're glowing uh, with happiness, that you're so happy that it's showing up on your face. 
But as I said, it's not used that much. I, I, God knows why I chose to say it to you. But, you know, it's good, isn't it? It's good to know words and know that you shouldn't use them. <laughs> uh, that's kind of useful too, I hope you agree. Anyway... So, maybe you are radiant, and if that is the case, then good. I'm very glad to hear that. Equally, I will accept, uh, in response to the question, how are you doing, I will accept a simple I'm fine, thanks, or any of the other options that I've already said or that you already are aware of. Certainly, when someone asks you how you're doing, some kind of response is advisable and would certainly be better than just a blank-faced silence. Right, okay, so just basics of human interaction there. You're welcome. Very glad we sorted that out. Now then, so my guest on the podcast in this episode is Charlie Baxter. And Charlie is an online English teacher, a YouTuber, and a podcaster too. And you might well know him from his YouTube channel, which is called Real English with Real Teachers, which he does with his friend Harry. And you might also know him from his new-ish podcast, which is called The British English Podcast. I say it's new-ish because he started it about six months ago. Does that still count as new or not? I'm, I'm not sure. But anyway, he's got a podcast too, and it's called The British English Podcast. It's new-ish. Ish. I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but again, there's that one person going, what is ish? Please explain. Okay. So uh, if you add ish to the end of a word, then it's basically like kind of saying kind of or approximately. Okay. For example, you might say, so I'll, I'll see you at 12-ish, which means you'll see the person at about 12 o'clock, give or take a few minutes or something, around 12. I'll give you a call at sort of 12-ish. Equally for like things like a colour, you know, like what's what's uh, what's Dave's new cars? Uh, what? What's Dave's car's colour? No, that's not how you say that. What's the colour of Dave's car? What colour is his car? Who? Dave. What colour is Dave's car? Well, it's a sort of a it's a sort of a greyish blue. It's a sort of boring greyish blue colour. All right, greyish blue. And similarly, newish. So his podcast is kind of newish, meaning it's um, not Dave's podcast. He hasn't got a podcast. Uh, who is Dave? I don't know. Oh, God, I'm getting badly sidetracked by myself here. Come on, Luke, get on with it. All right, I will. So anyway, Charlie's podcast is newish. It's about six months old. Okay. Um, right. So anyway, we recorded this conversation that you're going to hear in this episode a few weeks ago with Charlie in Sydney, which is in Australia just in case you'd forgotten or you weren't sure, and where he currently lives, and me in Paris, as usual. And and Paris is in France, just, okay? Right. I don't know, it's weird. Sometimes I feel, I feel obliged to kind of name the country when I say a city, like Sydney in Australia, you know, just in case. There's always one person who's like, Sydney, what is Sydney? <laughs> Who is this individual who's like, what? I don't understand anything. What is going on? What year is it? Who's the president? There's always one person who doesn't understand anything. Um, but anyway, but that's a sort of an American thing, isn't it? You know, Paris, France. They often do that, uh, especially in films. You know, when the, the, the movie uh, changes to a different location and they write the name of the place on the screen... Paris, France, just in case you didn't know where Paris was. Um, and often it's obvious as well. Like, you know, there's like, 
helicopter shot and a big shot of Paris and there's the Eiffel Tower and it says Paris France and you think thanks thanks for thanks for clarifying that um just in case you know there's anyone out there thinking that was that was Las Vegas or something no this is Paris France anyway I'm rambling so Charlie was in Sydney and uh in this conversation and I was in Paris, as usual. And the main aim of this conversation was just to get to know Charlie, because I'd never actually spoken to him before, and ask him about life in Australia, and generally have a bit of a ramble with a fellow Brit living abroad and teaching English for a living. Naturally, the conversation went in a few different directions, and we covered a few different things. So here are some of the main points that you're going to hear in this rambling chat, just to help you like keep track of what's going on so that you don't become that person who's like, what? I don't understand what's happening. Um, so th- let me just kind of briefly summarize things. So first I ask Charlie where exactly in the UK he comes from. And this leads to a bit of a discussion about the North-South divide in England and how the Midlands fit into that. You see, because in England, there is a North-South divide in terms of cultural identity But it's probably more complicated than just north and south when you consider other regions, particularly the Midlands, which, as the name suggests, are in the middle of England, and Wales in the west, which isn't actually part of England, um, of course, but still, it is there. Not part of England, but it is part of Britain, and it is part of the UK. Um, Not part of the, the EU, though, anymore. Ah, Brexit. Anyway, so it's not just north and south. You've got the Midlands, you've got Wales, you've got East Anglia in the east, and of course... Cornwall down in the southwest. So is it just north and south? Um, But people do talk about the distinction between north and south in England. And also, there is a general north-south divide in terms of accent. And you might have heard me mention the Bath Trap split before. In southern areas, people tend to say Bath with an R sound. And in northern parts, people tend to say Bath with an A sound. It's not just the word Bath or Bath. It's lots of other words, you know, podcast, podcast, grass, grass, laugh, laugh, and so on. So in in northern uh, parts, people will probably say bath with an ah sound like in the word trap. So that's the bath trap split. But where is the dividing line between north and south? Where does the north begin or where does the south begin? As you'll see, this is something that nobody's really able to agree on, but it's interesting nonetheless. We then talk about Charlie's university studies in psychology and his interest in NLP, which stands for Neurolinguistic Programming, and then how he ended up choosing to go abroad and start teaching English for a living. This leads us to some of Charlie's travelling experiences in places like Chile, Germany and Australia, including talk of things like active volcanoes, hot dogs absolutely covered in mayonnaise, rival sports shoe manufacturers, and everyday encounters with exotic Australian animals. I'll let you discover the rest as you listen. Um, So this was a podcast crossover, and we actually recorded two conversations together. So there's this conversation for my podcast, in which I am interviewing Charlie, that's this one, and also another conversation for Charlie's podcast, in which he is interviewing me. So if you'd like to hear Charlie interviewing me as well, then you'll be able to find it as an episode of the British English Podcast. A link is in the description for that. Also, we both recorded video versions of our conversations, 
which we have uploaded onto our respective YouTube channels. So that's Luke's English Podcast on YouTube for mine and Real English with Real Teachers for Charlie's. Again, you will find links for those in the description. Okay, so do dip into the uh, episode description or the episode page on my website in order to find Charlie's side of this conversation and also videos for both. So there's plenty for you to listen to or watch. Now, there's not much more for me to say here. I'm going to stop rambling and then just start rambling again, but joined by Charlie. So not much more for me to say now in the introduction, except that I hope that you enjoy listening to the two of us chatting away and that it gives you the kind of listening practice that you need in your everyday life. I will talk to you again on the other side of this conversation. But now, let's meet Charlie Baxter, and here we go. Charlie Baxter, hello. Welcome on to my podcast. How are you today? Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm very well. It's uh, it's getting late for me now. It's um, 10pm over in Sydney. But um, early doors for you, right? Well, it's it's now midday. It's it's twelve o'clock now. Mathematicians, can you work out the time difference? Ten hours difference. So, Charlie, you're in Sydney. I'm in Paris as usual. So, what's it like in Sydney at the moment? Then, I mean, um, what's it like living in Sydney as a as a Brit? I really like the UK. I've got nothing against it. I'm looking forward to even. Looking forward to going back there to raise a family. But most Brits who come out to Sydney feel like we're on a long-term holiday and every day is a blessing. It, it feels almost like that. Like the sun is shining, the beach is everywhere, the landscape is beautiful. We're all, most of the friends that I'm here with, just like look at the, the difference between our quality of life and we laugh. We're just like, oh my God. They have it so good out here. It's unbelievable. So, yeah, I'm happy here. I'm very happy for the time being. For the time being. But you wouldn't consider staying long term then? Well, I've got some family members here, but I think family will bring me back, uh, especially for, you know, the chapter of um, having a firstborn and, and figuring, out, figuring out how to be a father. I think that would be important to have support around me. And of course, um, my girlfriend, she's British and she would definitely want to be back uh, around her family for that. Yeah, so, yeah, that that makes complete sense. Yeah, it's really important to have like, you know, the grandparents around. I say the grandparents, the child's grandparents, your <laughs> your parents too, of course, uh, because my yes, grandparents. You, oh, I've, I've got one grandparent left, actually. Yeah. He's still alive and kicking. Yeah. Yeah. Would you would you yeah. would, would, he, would he be useful in the in the um, upbringing of the child? Probably not. No, it's it's a little bit late in his life now. Okay, yeah. but it would be good for him to meet. Yeah, the potential child of mine. It is great uh, for everyone when the ch- when children arrive, especially for the for the grandparents, because uh, they get to enjoy the kids, but they don't actually have to have the full responsibility of the kids like they did before. So it's kind of like yeah. they they get to just enjoy all the all the fun side of it. Uh, and yeah, then yeah. the parents get all the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Although my my parents, um, they they had three children. So I'm the youngest of um, of three, and there were two. I have two sisters, and the middle child, she is a bit of a home girl. So she moved into a house just down the road from my parents, um, and then she had three children 
and uh, you know all within uh, two or three years so uh, they are full on grandparents and they see their grandchildren very often i would say almost too often oh really oh well that's that's nice though kind of takes the pressure off you a little bit too because you, you're not going to be the first to have children in the family i guess that's true yeah so charlie 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 tell me about yourself so where, where are you actually from in england where did you grow up i grew up in guildford or near guildford in surrey so that is south of london um southwest of london by about an hour if you're on the train okay i grew up some of my time i grew up in ealing which is not mm. too far from guildford no not at all similar yeah. neck of the woods similar neck of the woods indeed not all of your time no i know i also um lived in the midlands as well for quite a long time so for a little like from until about the age of nine uh we lived in in ealing west of london you know in west london and then we moved to sort of the middle of nowhere in uh warwickshire the west midlands and then i've spent time in liverpool and lived in japan and now i live in france but I'm interviewing you here, Charlie. So Sorry, sorry, sorry. But I really do want to ask, can I just ask yeah, you one yeah. more thing? Do you identify as a Southerner or a Northerner? Well, I'm, or I, I've, well you're giving away your Southern roots there because I'm, I'm not from the North at all. I'm from the Midlands, if anywhere. But the divide would, would include that, would it not? I, I heard it's not um, just a split across the middle. It's kind of diagonal. They, they say it's from Norwich down to um bristol from north if you draw it so um we're talking about the yeah. the distinction between north and south of of england some people in the midlands would say that there is a, another thing called the midlands so you've got the south the midlands and the north and in fact if you get on the m6 the motorway in the birmingham area right in the midlands if you get on that motorway there are signs that say the north right and you're in the midlands anyway I, I don't know it's i think it's no one agrees no one actually agrees where the north begins and where the south begins if you live in london it's people say it's anywhere north of like the m25 motorway other people have different views on it but um as someone who has who spent a lot of time living in the midlands no we, we don't consider ourselves to be northerners we consider ourselves okay. to be midlanders Okay. Yes. So, no, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm from the north. I'm from the Midlands, but also from from the south as well. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely agree that wherever you are, uh, you you treat the divide, if there is even a divide, um, differently. But I did hear that it kind of there's this complicated little theory of this map between the Bristol and Norwich, and it's and it includes some little lips based on their um, accent and, and other demographics. Right. It's kind of the spread away from London. So Wales is further away from London than perhaps, um, you know, Norwich, for example. Um, so they kind of, it's kind of like, you know, the spreading of something like that. But would people in Wales or would people on the other side of this line? Now, the line sounds, sounds really interesting, like based on the different demographics, as you've said, like including accent, which is one of the main yeah. ones of like we've said we were talking earlier about this that uh the old bath trap split and whether you know people in the south say podcast and people in the north say podcast so maybe that is a signifier of it so this line may be based on that as a demographic but uh what about the people who live 
on the north side of the line, do they consider themselves to be from the north? I expect on the north side of the line you'd get, I wonder where Coventry is or where even where Birmingham is. Where is Birmingham? It's probably on the north side of the line. Birmingham's north, yeah. Right, but if you go to Birmingham and say, you're northerners, they would say, no, we're not. We're from Birmingham. We're, mid- we're from the Midlands, you know? Yeah. So that surely has to be taken into account too, What what people how people see themselves. It does get confusing. I think the, the, the closer you get to the location, the more opinions everyone has. Um, you know, it's a bit like, are we European? You know, yeah. as a, a, an American, they would say, yeah, we are. But as a Brit, we're like, mm, not sure. Welsh people would struggle to say that they're Northern. They would say they're, they're Welsh. Like, I'm Welsh. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to... to I guess also for people who are not from the UK, who are looking at the UK, trying to understand it, trying to get it all right, I would say instead just think of it as regions, like areas. So you've got your South and North is quite useful for talking about the accent, as we've said, yes. the, pod, the, the podcast, podcast thing. And maybe some types of identity. There is a sense that you've got the North and the South and the north would probably include those mainly those industrial cities and the areas around them. So we think of like Liverpool, Manchester, Sheffield, Leeds, you know, the, the, these sorts of places. And there is a different culture. And even further north, you know, you venture further north to other places, you know, Newcastle and Sunderland and Middlesbrough and places like that. Um, there is a sense there is a different culture in, in, in those areas compared to in London or parts, other parts of the south. But then the Midlands and East Anglia and Wales, you know, where do they fit into all of that? It's, it is a bit confusing. But I would say, yes. yeah, think of it like this. The southeast and London, the west, the southwest. And if you get even down into Cornwall, they don't consider themselves to be part of the country. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I think it gets messy further away from the southeast um, area because that's kind of like the one identifier that they kind of, group together with like oh we're southerners but as soon yeah. as you go away from that there's so many different cultures so it's kind of rude to suggest you're northerners because it's like it's like saying french spanish german italian you're all europeans it's like no we've got our own identity Thank you if you take much. england and you move it on its side so that cornwall is at the top you'd actually realize that i think cornwall is a similar distance from london as like some of those northern cities i wonder even if 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 like manchester is closer to london than than somewhere like penzance in cornwall i think um is it land's end is that the 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 end of it land's land's end is is um the sort of southernmost tip of england down in the southwest yeah that seems to be further away than snowdonia the the tallest mountain in wales um as you know but uh from london so yeah. Snowdonia is closer. Right. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. So this is interesting. But um, I guess what... <laughs> <laughs> this is where are you from, right? This, yeah. is, this is just yeah. where are you from. But you're from Guildford, which is just sort of in the London area. Okay, cool. Yeah. And um, did you stay in Guildford, like, for most of your life then? Or if you, if you moved around a bit? I know that you've travelled, but, like, before you went to university, did you stay in Guildford that time yes for that time yes my parents lived um in two houses but uh split 
about 50 meters apart. So when I was five years old, I had a very traumatic move 50 meters down the road <laughs> and um, carried on living in uh, a little village in Gil- near Guildford. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so you went to university, you did psychology at university. That's right. Where yeah, did you yeah, actually go? The- did, sorry, did you move to a different part of the country? Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, Nottingham Trent was... Nottingham Trent? Yes. Nottingham, is that in the north? That is, in my opinion. I think it's in the Midlands. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I think uh, for, for people in the Midlands, we, we, we claim Nottingham to be part of the Midlands. Right, that's ours. Yeah. That's ours, North Midlands, North East Midlands. But it's pretty close to like the north. Anyway, we we could keep going on about this where's the north okay. and south thing for ages. But you went to Nottingham Trent. Okay, cool. All right. What's it like in Nottingham compared to Guildford? Was it very different? Well, there's a, actually a lot of Southerners who go to those universities, both Nottingham and Nottingham Trent. So it was it was quite familiar. There was a, a, a mix though of of different kind of. Um, cultures at the same time so it was it was an eye-opener for a little southern boy who hasn't ventured out of surrey uh so it was nice i I started to appreciate the the different walks of life and and from then on i started to be less of a a posh uh twit perhaps yeah really sounds like sort of frodo baggins leaving the shire yeah (laughs) um i guess yeah so how did you get into teaching english after you after you did psychology at university yeah well um i came out of university and thought i really like applying psychology to the idea of therapy and becoming a a psychotherapist so i did uh, some training in nlp i don't know if you've heard of that technique yeah should we should we say what did it go ahead you 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 can do yeah yeah neuro-linguistic programming um, I think it's got a bad rap, though. What's your immediate feeling of NLP? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm very interested in NLP. But yeah, I think I agree that there are probably two sides to it, that some people, when they hear about NLP, they think that it's a very sort of um, non-specific and not really a science. And it's the sort of thing that people do in the, an annoying training sessions at work that you don't want to be part of and like okay we're going to do uh, neuro-linguistic programming in the session today and then people are oh for god's sake can't we just do something useful um it's that sort of thing that people think that it's a bit vague and it's um uh, yes that it's yeah yeah that it's it's a kind of um soft version of psychology but then uh, actually on the other hand the things i've read about nlp i think there is a a genuinely useful, interesting side to it. And it can be a very interesting way to understand the way that we, um, you know, it's, it's a way to understand, understand our psychology and the way that we communicate and um, things like that. I, th- I think that it's got a lot of value. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was interesting to, to learn about it from the perspective of somebody who's very much into, you know, um, coaching the mind as a therapist um, and he, he gave me training in, in a way that is very far from what HR would use and marketing and stuff like that. And the, the danger I noticed was that it, it came about really quickly by these two, um, two guys. And, um, and then 
they wanted to let everybody use it. And so there was a, a low like level of admittance into training it and then dispersing it out into the world. So it became sort of filtered and, and, and um, almost, yeah, people started using it easily in, in different ways. So it's kind of, there's a lot of bad out there, but there's mm. also some really good bits, good golden nuggets of it. How, yeah. how, has, how has NLP... Can you, can you can you tell us about some of the principles about um, the some of the principles of NLP and maybe how you've applied them or how they've helped you? Yeah, yeah. So there's a coaching model that they tend to teach you about, and it's all about um, noticing a trigger that you don't like in your life, um, rather than acknowledging the the reaction that you have. So if maybe your wife um, frustrates you then they would say, okay, what's the trigger? What's the moment? And it's like, when she says, have you, uh, you haven't hung up the, the bath towel or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's a trigger of um, this, this spiral of negativity. And then that starts to affect your value system of what you think is not appreciated in your relationship with your partner. They don't appreciate that I tidy up all the time. And then these kind of things spiral out of control but it's taking those triggers and those um rationalizations of that trigger and then detaching yourself from it and then connecting it with a positive version of how you want to be and then multiplying that into okay if you can be like that for five years or so how would you be as a person and then it's like making it even bigger and bigger and bigger and suddenly that trigger creates a positive response from you you're like ah that's so cool because it's like that bath towel moment turns into i'm going to be this comedian doing stand-up in on the in the fringe festival for example so it's kind of like turning like finding the root of negative moments in your day and exploring what they represent and then somehow converting them into more positive things or having some distance and understanding the way we react to things that happen to us and using that sort of perspective to to have a more positive outlook and to interpret things in a more positive way, which just leads to more positivity and more success in in one's life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great, yeah. great. And yeah. and have, did you not want to then be a therapist, or what? Are, what are the options? It would be a a, a therapist or a psychotherapist. Are, are these the options that you would have? psychotherapist or a counsellor traditionally they say and then a psychologist would kind of be similar to a psychotherapist but it's more about research I guess on the route to it but yeah normally after a psychology degree you'd have to do a master's and then either a PhD or specifically within psychotherapy uh, a diploma of some sort or a, a counselling diploma. So there's a long route ahead after a bachelor's. Yeah. Um, and then I did the NLP and I started becoming a, a life coach or a psychology coach um, and did that for career guidance for people at the age of 16 to 17. I did that for about a year. Um, and then I continued it actually when I was teaching. But um, my I remember my auntie, she, she came back from Australia because she lives in Australia and uh, she said don't you want to travel Charlie and I was 22 going back to home after university and I was like yeah and she's like well you could do this later like this is this is a, a career that people can do after they've got some life experience <laughs> I was like, yeah I'm very aware of that and so she said well people teach English and they go abroad and they have an amazing time and I 
that instantly got me and I yeah got on the first plane to Santiago in Chile wow so yeah. you were just like right I'm going to go off and have life experiences now yeah yeah, yeah pretty much S- Santiago Chile what why did you choose to go to Chile I wanted to go to South America not sure exactly why I wanted that continent but that was that was the go-to thought uh, I think originally I wanted to go to um, uh, like uh, Rio or something like that in, in Brazil. But uh, it was a, I was able to get a job before flying to Santiago. That was the, the safe kind of bet that my parents wanted me to find before flying. There was teaching work available. Yes. And, the, and you got yes. the job before you flew. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. good. So, so you, had some, you had something safe to actually you weren't just like see you i'm gonna to go to south america and see what happens you actually had a, a job lined up there okay yeah, yeah how long did you stay in in chile about uh nine months yeah and then okay. I, I traveled south saw a lot of the country it's a beautiful country amazingly narrow and like um at one part we were doing this road trip up and you could see the two mountainous ranges because there's the Andes and then there's the coastal mountain range. And you can almost kind of feel like you, you, you are part of this narrow bit of land that is the country in some parts. Yeah. If you look at Chile on the map, it's just like choo, this really slim bit that goes all the way down the, um, yeah. down the coast of South America there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's- it was amazing though like the the northern because it's so long they've got like antarctic kind of conditions and then they've got desert in the in the top and then the like the salt flats that are part of the bolivia crossing it's incredible like so diverse and um yeah wonderful to to travel up and down yeah highly recommend it oh god i'd love to go sounds amazing i spent a birthday um, walking up and down a snow-capped volcano that was active as well. Really? Like yeah. like sort of active in... Um, was there smoke coming out of it? Yeah, yeah, smoke really? coming out. Yeah, yeah. So wait a minute. You spent a birthday walking around the snow snowy top of an active volcano in Chile. Okay. Uh, did you did you climb all the way up? Or, or how did you get up to the top? Did you climb up? Did you walk up or, or, or what? I've, I've, done, I've done a volcano as well. I did one in Indonesia, active volcano, climbed up uh, Mount Rinjani. And it's like th- nearly 4,000 metres up. And it was punishing, gruelling, a really tough climb, like much more difficult than my wife and I expected it to be because you're climbing up sand and ash, you know. And it was really hard, like one of the hardest things that we've ever done. It was like three days of it and you're just covered in dust and it was horrible. It was really hard work. You started climbing at two o'clock in the morning and stuff, but getting to the top was amazing. What about you though in, in, in Chile then? How, how did you actually get up to the top there? It's surrounded by slightly elevated land already, but yeah, I think we must have got driven up to a certain point yeah. and then we walked up up to the snow and then we put the, are they called crampons? crampons are things that give you spikes on your feet yes crampons yeah yeah Yeah, we put crampons on actually after that it got really boring because it's so slow like you've got to do 
little steps and you're just looking at your toes because you you're following the next person and then we when we got to the top it was amazing views but it was freezing cold <laughs> so we kind of were like yeah yeah okay t- take the photo we've got to go kind of, happy birthday yeah 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 let's go <laughs> right right okay chili what, what was the food like um it, it was interesting uh i i got a bit of a culture shock when i landed and it was breakfast time and, and people were tucking into uh these hot dogs um like these street vendors would would give them but they were full with a lot of mayonnaise and um a lot of other toppings as well but it was like these you know those american kind of frankfurts yeah. in a bun a dry yeah. bun but they, yeah. yeah they they had good toppings but it was just very strange to have it in the morning and um yeah, we'd like, would you like some it. sausage with your mayonnaise yeah that kind of thing yes. <laughs> yeah and that actually that reminds me um he's got one right here <laughs> Ta-da, my breakfast or dinner in your case yeah well, sorry what did it remind you of so they had a lot of mayonnaise and i was learning spanish when i got there and um very beginner level and um for the first like four months I had a local, a local vendor that was outside the office. And when I forgot to make my lunches, I'd go and have a hot dog. And um, they, they laughed a lot of the times when I was ordering it. And, uh, and then finally, after six months of, you know, persevering through this awkward exchange, one of them was new and she just laughed her face off. And I was like, what is going on? And I, I had been mispronouncing uh, mayo, uh, I think, to be mayo. And uh, for Chileans, that means a little bit of piss or, or no piss. It, it means piss. Yes, it means piss. But I had saying I would be saying un poco mayo, un poco mayo. <laughs> so just a little bit of piss, please. A little bit. Just a little bit. I want some piss, but not too much. Just a little bit of piss. So a sausage with l- l- loads of mayo like normal. Too much mayo, thanks. And a little bit of piss. Just and like. Do you think they were actually, you know, they weren't actually giving you a little bit of piss? They were like, oh, this crazy English guy, well, <laughs> he asked for it. <laughs> Hopefully they won't. They weren't. Uh, the good people of Chile wouldn't yeah. do that to you, of course. No, um, not. Chile, yeah. And you've been to lots of other places, though. You did various, you've done various travels over the last few years. Um, where else yeah. did you visit then? So a um, bit of a, a love story that I'll skip kind of but uh oh wait America what took me to america a love story that you'll skip you can't you can't just dangle that in front of her a love no, story uh, all right well maybe i shouldn't maybe i shouldn't ask maybe it's a sensitive subject but uh it's not sensitive but it's just you know don't really want to sort of it's not bumming people out but it's just like oh kind of i know not, you got involved you know with I mean? a girl and it didn't work out and you left the country you got a girl pregnant and you left the country, right? No, no, of course, that's not what happened. Yeah, it's much more fun, you guessing. Yeah. I'm just assuming that you... Why would I end up from South America to America? Why did you end up from... Because you met an American girl, a girl from North America, and she was like, America's awesome. And we're going to love... Everyone's going to love your British accent. And so that... And she convinced you to go to... Where was it? Like Wyoming or or Arkansas or um, some some place in the Midwest. I'm just inventing a story now, Charlie. And you, you ended up in Milwaukee and um, you, you thought, yeah, this isn't so great. And you the relationship didn't work out. But you did some traveling in North America before going somewhere else. Is that what... Is that what happened? 
Very nice. I like it. Well, part of that is kind of true. I did end up in the Midwest, Ohio, to be specific. Ohio Gazimus. Um, <laughs> it's Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> the last podcast on the on on my on my podcast, um, you were dropping in that I knew Japanese culture, and I I don't have the foggiest, unfortunately. I want ah, to, but um, I thought yeah, you did. I've, I've not been. Yeah, Ohio Gazimas means happy. It means good morning in in Japanese. I just wanted to say that just for my just for the Japanese Ohio listeners and viewers, yeah. Ohio Gazimas. But you went to Ohio itself. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, okay. it wasn't an American, although I was dating an American in South America. Uh, but that ended. And then uh, the girl that I met in university, um, we uh, got back in contact and we realized that we missed each other very much. And then I moved to uh, where she was, which was Ohio, because she got a good job out of her, her degree. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Yeah. So uh, Ohio. Okay. Wow. What is that different? What's it like living in Ohio? Well, they say that it's actually uh, where market research happens because it's the exact average between the east and west coast and the, the Midwest in general. So it's kind of like the exact or the epitome of an American experience. So it was quite cool to experience that. I, yeah, the, the beer pong kind of um, stereotypes were all there and the, the frat parties and um the city that i was in columbus it was, it was a a university city ohio campus is massive so yeah lots of young people and all doing that american pie kind of stuff whoa party time smashing cans of beer on their heads and drinking it yeah. and uh, passing out and stuff like that all the stuff we've exactly. seen in the american films it's all true then I feel like it is. Yeah. yeah. What I experienced. Yeah. I was like, stereotypes are sometimes bang on. <laughs> yeah. Every now and then. That's right. There is a kernel of truth in every stereotype. And it seems that Ohio is that kernel in America, that nut of pure America, Americanness. Um, okay. And uh, so what was the next uh, port of call after the States then? The States was followed by Germany. Okay. This is a very interesting line you're drawing on the map here. I know. Yeah, it's a bit confusing. The reason was, so I moved from South America to America to to live with my girlfriend. And then um, we decided, well, actually, it was because I couldn't work officially in the US. And I've got dual citizenship in in, in Australia and the UK. And so I was doing this naughty thing of jumping the border and then coming back as as a different version of myself. And they don't know that. Like, when they get the records up, they're like, you're two different people. You haven't been in the country for three months. I'm like, oh, wow, this is interesting. So in the States, you didn't have a, what, a green card or a working visa or something. And so you had to, like, pop. Well, I guess, did you go to Canada or, or Mexico? Which direction did you go? I did both at different times. but And also went back to see my family. So, yeah, kind of. A mix. You just pop over the border and then come back in with a new three-month visa kind of thing, and that's fine. It's legit. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you were sort of like an illegal immigrant almost. Yeah. Yeah. Doing <laughs> teaching English um, uh, online. So yeah. Then I and then um, we wanted to move back to uh, Europe, but we didn't want to move to the UK because we knew that we would be going back to the UK at a later stage in our life. Um, 
And Stacey managed to get a good uh, job with her career. She she landed a job with uh, Puma or Puma. So yeah, ah. off we were to Germany. Right, Puma, the sneaker manufacturer, one of the original German sneaker manufacturers, along with Adidas, Adidas and Puma. You know the story, yeah. right? Yeah, you must do. But yeah, what do you know of? Well, all I know is I think I know I know this story from teaching English from like headway upper intermediate. Um, course book, which is one of those standard course books that all the English teachers used, uh, certainly in classes. So then they often have these stories in them. And so, um, yeah, the, I think that Adidas was a company set up by, was it Adidasler? Was that the guy's name who set up the company? I think so. That's why it's Adidas, because it was Adidasler or maybe the two brothers. But it was one brother, it was two brothers who set up the company and they fell out with each other, and the other brother left Adidas and set up a rival company, and that was Puma, or Puma, as we tend to say in England. Um, so it's a sort of like a family, it was a family thing, and both companies came out of a, a dispute between two brothers, and Puma was yeah. the other one. All right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah spot on. That's it, yeah. Um, and there's, there's an actual, so um, Nuremberg is the biggest city um, near the offices, and then a very long name, Herzogenaurach, is the town that they are um, in. And there's a bridge or a, like a river, and, and there's a divide. And there's also this like common trend of like looking down at one's shoes to di- to differentiate which side of the place you're from and which team you're on. Kind of. Oh thing. right. So real like. Oh, okay. You're you're Addy. You're Puma. You're, yeah. So. All oh, right. So there's a real, a genuine sort of rivalry between the two parts of town or the two areas. Yeah. There. There's the Adidas people and the Puma people. Yeah. Right. And you were on Team Puma. Yes. Did you yeah. have to wear Puma trainers? Well, I got them free, so I did. Yeah, I got a lot of free stuff, which is brilliant for me. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, it's nice. Didn't have to buy gym clothes for about three years. Wonderful. But you, you were already a, a Puma person, were you? you? Didn't have to like kind of go well, Adidas trainers goodbye and like chuck away your Adidas stuff. <laughs> I was still allowed to, but Stacy, she wasn't actually allowed to wear any Adidas at all. And if you're caught wearing Adidas outside of hours, it's still like talked about. Oh, they're like the 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 kind of HR department like um can I have a word with you about Stacy I noticed her wearing a pair of Adidas uh, sneakers uh, in during her free time and we're going to have to do something we're going to have to let her go yeah I can imagine wow it's proper proper stuff for proper kind of rivalry it's exactly what they had sometimes yeah really like spies yeah. like observing their 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 sports clothing yeah, some of the interns would come in and they didn't know this rule and then they had to break it to them. Like, in the office, you can't wear anything other than the brand. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. yeah. Wow, interesting stuff. Yeah. Okay, so Germany, did you learn any German? I did, I did. I don't know how much I've got left, but I had about a year and a half of lessons. Um, I was really keen to to get into it when I got there. And I was still holding on to like learning Spanish. So I was a bit confused about them. And then I also wanted to learn Italian. So I thought, oh, I'll learn all three at once. And I ended up um, focusing on German for a bit. But then it, it didn't, it didn't, um, it didn't sink in. And, and 
the people in Nuremberg were very excited to talk in English a lot of the time. So after half of my experience, I kind of, yeah, I, I sadly didn't um, pursue German as much. And it was, it, I had a huge English bubble around me because of the expats that were in Puma and Adidas. Right. So was, yeah, yeah. It was easy to, to not do the, the right thing, unfortunately. But that's the thing about being an English speaker is that, I mean, this is an excuse, of course, for not learning languages, but it is also a reason that you go to places and everyone's just really happy to talk, speak to you in English and practice their English with you. And so you just get really good at English. Yeah. Like, even though it's your first language, it's just like, I'm, I'm getting better and better at English, but my other languages are suffering. It's kind yeah. of like that, it's, isn't it? It's definitely an excuse, but it is something that is real. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time. Okay. So Germany, and then, well, I'm wondering how you then ended up in Australia then. It was, are there other countries in between? No, that's it. So it's Germany to Australia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked about this before your reason. Uh, I, um, well, you talked about the fact that in Australia, you're always amazed by the quality of life and you're sort of stunned by, I guess, how much space you have and the, 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 um, the weather is wonderful and stuff like that. Um, are there not like, this is, the, this is like the internet's meme about Australia is that it's, the country is full of animals that want to kill you. That everything wants to kill you, like the the weather, the, the the sunshine is much stronger, and the climate is maybe a bit more harsh, and that there are snakes and spiders and other things that and crocodiles and things that constantly want to eat you. So do do you? I mean, is this true? Um, to what extent do you have to be careful of things like spiders and stuff? I remember when I got there, the so I, my sister lives here and um we arrived and we went into their uh their downstairs bathroom and i had a shower and on the shower was this tiny spider and i i was so scared i was just like oh, what, do I do? what do i do in this situation because in the uk we just kind of brush it off but i was like these could kill me what do i do and now i i just look at that and think how ridiculous there's so many non-poisonous spiders and it's very rare it's possible, definitely possible, but that it's very rare, and especially in cities, you don't you don't come across it. the The weird thing is seeing possums and bats, and this weird thing called an ibis, or what they call a bin chicken. So those right. are the weird things for me. Tell oh, us and igua- uh, guanas, guanas—they're also strange to see. Four animals: uh, yeah. possums, bats. Um, uh, bin chickens, ibis things, and yeah. um, and the fourth one was iguanas, guanas. Yeah. So, all right, go on, give us the, tell us about these four animals. Educate me. What's the first? The possums. Then, what what are possums, and what's the issue with possums? Possums, nothing to be alarmed with. Uh, they look a little bit like a a um, a squirrel on steroids, <laughs> and sometimes they've got scary looking red eyes, like they're going to kill you. But normally that's when you're, you know, shining your light on them. Um, but sometimes they have the bushy tail and they look cute, but they're just in the in the trees, or the palm trees, which is also quite nice. The palm yeah. um, and then the bats, they're a bit freaky, but yeah, they don't touch you. They're massive, though, massive circling around you. And then, um, oh, I actually videoed. So I, I videoed one because uh, it was on the power line and it was hanging upside down. 
and I videoed it and I was about to put it on Instagram. And then um, somebody said, you know, that bat's dead. And apparently it, it had been frozen by the power line, but it, it was upside down and the, it had clamped on. So I think they've got to go and get that and, and take it off some at some point. Oh. But it's been on it's been on there for about three or four days now. You're like, hey, cute bat sleeping on the power line. Hey, Instagram, hey, Instagram stories is like, you know, that bat's dead. Like, oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. went to Sydney briefly once and I spent oh. time in the botanical gardens. And yeah, it's. Yes. It's a beautiful place, and the opera house is just there and stuff. But yeah, there were like various animals. It was pretty odd. It was like, oh my god, look at these huge fruit bats! They like fruit bats or what? Yeah, we call yeah, them fruit yeah, bats, exactly. like large bats. The I don't know how big they are, but they look really big. And it's like, yeah. wow! And then when they all fly and take off, it's pretty, pretty kind of. It seems pretty creepy if you're not used to it. Having these large yeah. bats flying around is like, wow, this is so creepy. Yeah, and you must have seen the the bin chickens then, if you've been to Sydney. I guess so. Either, yeah. Yeah. Ibis. These are like sort of um, birds. Well, I, I I saw these white parrots roaming around. No. Did they have very long beaks? No, no, no. They were um, cockatoos. Oh, okay. Yeah, the cockatoos are nice. White parrots with like with like oh, yellow yeah, yeah. yellow yeah. feathers at the back of their head, like that. Like you know sort of uh, walking around the park it's like whoa what are all these animals but they're quite pretty they're quite nice yeah yeah they're great yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, but no the bin chickens no i don't think i i came across them i came across some seagulls that uh, uh, tried to steal my lunch but no bin chickens so go on tell us about the bin chickens okay. with the big beaks yeah you clearly haven't been hanging around any bins in your your trip to sydney no yeah uh well they, yeah they've got a very very long beak um, and they're kind of like a, a tall chicken with very long legs, um, but they look like they've grown up in a in a dump, kind of. Yeah, they, they're they disgusting. Look like they've got nice um, meat inside them to eat. They're like it would be horrible, kind of sc- yeah. scrawny and look a bit dirty, and and they're not yes. very. And they like they're called bin chickens, presumably because they steal food from the bins. Exactly. Yeah. All right, they're yeah. a pest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are a pest to them, but to a foreigner, it's quite... Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's like uh, almost being in a zoo in England. Yeah, that's kind of what my experience was like in the botanical gardens. It's just like, I'm just going to go and have my lunch here. And it's like, oh my goodness, big bats, <laughs> parrots, <laughs> and other things. Yeah, it was pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, and uh, guanas then. These are the, this is the fourth animal you mentioned. Ah. Oh. Huge lizards, huge, huge, huge lizards. Yeah, about a meter, maybe even longer than a meter, and very stocky. And um, I remember I caught one even going at quite a fast pace across me, um, chasing down a kookaburra nest. And the kookaburras were like swooping and like kind of making noises to try and shoo him away. Kookaburra ring. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's another animal. The kookaburra. Quite, yeah, kookaburra, I think. Cook, Cook, sorry, kookaburra. Yeah. Okay. And they've got this weird wailing sound in the morning, like a, chink, uh, like a monkey almost. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. It's like a totally yeah. different country, isn't it? Yeah. 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 But are these, are these animals, are, 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 do, they, do they affect your life in any way? Do they make it more difficult or are they dangerous to you or anything? Or are they just interesting to see? 
yeah, I think they're just interesting to see. No downside to those guys. Uh, my girlfriend did actually come across one of the worst snakes in the first month or two, and she was with my sister's dog, and she had taken her off the lead, and the dog was going towards yeah. the snake, and so she had a scary moment. But other than that, no, we've not, not come across. I almost want to see a snake. I don't know if that's bad to jinx myself. but Yeah, it's better to see one than to get bitten by one. In fact, it's better to see yeah. it than not to see it, in a way, isn't it? Yes, yes, if you're getting bitten. <laughs> or if before you get bitten. Like, if you see the snake, at least you can get out of its way. If you don't see it, then you don't know, do you? That's true. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh yeah, the, the other real thing is mm-hmm. uh, petrified when I... And I do swim, but, yeah, when I get in the ocean, I think of sharks, and that is scary. Yeah. I, I don't like that thought. Because there are great white sharks around the uh, on the coast there yeah yeah, yeah. okay dun, 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 dun. you get that music i've got an app yeah a shark app and it notifies you when there's been a, a sighting or like a because they've got tags in some of them so they tell you when they're close to bondi or manly or something so i check that before i go in wow wow mm. it's amazing totally different lifestyle okay so then mm. Lots of traveling around, teaching English in each location, uh, in in physical classrooms or online as well, I expect. Mainly online. Yeah, Yeah. I started in Chile um, face to face, but then I got a a teaching job in an office online with English first. And um, I quickly realized, oh, I could be doing this on the beach on my computer. So I, I quickly kind of made my own little crappy website and then encourage people to go there and then it it kind of snowballed yeah that's great and then you you started doing the youtube channel i guess first that's real english with real teachers and then your podcast is sort of fairly recent then i guess in the last six months or so right so the youtube channels with your friend um what's his name again harry harry yeah yeah, it's you and harry so well was it was it an easy transition going from like doing online teaching to to making content on youtube What's your experience been like doing doing the YouTube stuff? Yeah, it was actually like a little passion project because Harry had started teaching um, about the same time as me and I had been encouraging him to do online stuff because he was driving all around the place trying to um, meet his, his students and then having a long day. And then I said, well, let's just do a little podcast. And it was meant to be a podcast to begin with. And then Harry's like, oh, let's just do talking head kind of podcast. And then it turned into a YouTube video, uh, YouTube channel. But um, yeah, to begin with, it was quite easy because it was just two teachers having a conversation similar to this. And we were, we were actually really slow. Like we were talking very, very slow because we thought that that's what most of our audience would need. But uh, in actual fact, it's, it's turned out to be... Yeah, far from. They they say speed up, speed up. It's interesting the slow thing, because as teachers, when we actually are teaching people in classes, and many many times those students are pre intermediate or intermediate level students, it's necessary to speak slowly so that they so that the lesson works, so that they can understand you. And so, as experienced teachers, we assume when we're making our content like this that we should be speaking slowly, um, and yet. Yeah, the comments that we get from the audience are "Don't speak slowly" or "Oh, I don't like it." He speak; they speak too slowly. It seems that a lot of people want us to speak more naturally and more quickly. It's a funny one, isn't it? I'm sure that there are so many people 
who need us to speak more slowly. But for some reason, when we do speak slowly and grade our English like that, it becomes less interesting and less enjoyable to watch or listen to. So it's yeah. an interesting. You have to. It, it it as teachers, we don't want to speak too quickly, um, and yet when we're making content, it seems speaking naturally and fast is what most people want online. Funny one, isn't it? I think it. Yeah, it is funny. It's hard to know what to do, but I think uh, those that are of a good enough level to need native speech would find it very boring. Whereas people who can't keep up probably just look for something else rather than say slow down we do get comments saying can you please slow down yeah. which i definitely appreciate yeah but uh, yeah in, in an ideal world we could make the content three times mm-hmm. that would be like the ideal but it would just be very time consuming <laughs> that's right and confusing for the audience because they'll be like oh god which one shall i watch and then they end up watching all three of them. yeah yeah absolutely so then the podcast as well. So so you decided to do an audio-only podcast too. What what was the mm. decision to move away from the video content into doing the audio content? Yeah, well, we were, we were doing a lot of live lessons on YouTube and we were running for about 60 minutes and we noticed that YouTube's more like six minutes kind of playtime. So um, we quickly thought that's not the best option for YouTube as a platform but we really like the long form and I personally resonate with podcasts a lot more. I listen to so many in my day and I have a lot more time for them and I, I feel a lot more connected to the podcast host. So I've always wanted to do one. And I, I originally, when we started YouTube, I, I wanted it to be a podcast, but um, we got distracted with video content. Um, so yeah, I, it kind of came full circle for me. Um, Harry decided not to continue uh, doing it on the podcast because he felt like uh, the YouTube was enough. And I then um, wanted to do kind of my own thing as well. Um, And I've really enjoyed it. It's been a wonderful experience for the last, as you said, six months. Yeah. What's the favorite, what's your favorite episode that you've done so far? Um. I got quite a few opinions of friends and family from um, different countries, which was quite interesting, and put that into one called British Stereotypes, which I like. I think that was episode two or three. Uh, I did a British Humour one, which was quite nice, because I liked the the research behind that. Um, I think you mentioned Kate Fox watching The English. That's a very mm-hmm. good book for that. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy the collaborations. I did one with Martin from Rock and Roll English. I don't know if you've collaborated with him. Yes, I've done a couple of things with him in the past. Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. Always yeah. good fun yeah. to talk to Martin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah. 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 So yeah, quite a few though. Yeah. I think I've got 15 out now. Yeah. Okay, great. Roundabout. Yeah. yeah you've got a few episodes to go before you catch me up though, of course. <laughs> yeah. What number is this? <laughs> on, this is... This is going to be like 700 and something. Uh, uh, there's, oh. Isn't there a quote of like, you know, if you just isn't madness, like doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results. <laughs> I don't know if this counts as madness though, Charlie. Well, it's working for you. It's working. Yeah. I don't, I'm not expecting different results. I expect the, the same results to continue. Can it's I, working great for me. I, I love you, it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, can I ask you about the awards? I remember I, I saw something on your website and I, I um, heard it 
I think when I started doing the YouTube channel, I was like, oh my God, he's won loads of awards for this. How does that happen? What, what are they? So they, they, they aren't, they've kind of disappeared, but the, the first four things were Macmillan Dictionary Awards. So Macmillan, the people who make the dictionaries, they set up this thing called I Love English, and it was the Macmillan I Love English Awards. And there were different categories, um, including like best website for learning English, best thing for learning English. And I was actually in the best blog for learning English because as well as as well as doing the podcast, I had the what I called Luke's English blog. It's just now my website, but in those days it was Luke's English blog, and it was where I put text, um, a lot of the text for the episodes I was making, the audio episodes and other stuff, and and I would sometimes post text only posts on there. And so because there was no best podcast for learners of English, they just didn't include that as a category, maybe because podcast hadn't really taken off at that point i was in the best blog category and i asked all my listeners to to vote for me and they did and i won that i won that four years in a row of like best best blog for for learning english and so that that's the that's those ones and then also uh the british podcast awards i don't know if you're familiar with them yeah Um, that's amazing but I didn't win the British Podcast Awards because that's, I mean, yeah, that's huge. And it's like all of the yeah. podcasts in the UK, and this includes all the big ones, like the ones from the BBC and stuff like that. But there's the Listener's Choice category in the British Podcast Awards. And which year was it? 2017 or 2016? I can't remember. But I, I, um, I was in the Listener's Choice category two years in a row. And the, the first year... So I, I like made a made a lot of effort to get my listeners to vote for me. I thought if all my listeners voted for me, I could win this. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I have a chance, but I was up against you know really big, well-established podcast. And in the first year, I think it was 2016. I'm not sure. I can't remember. It's on my website. Um, I actually came third in the listeners' choice category, which I still can't really believe. So the first one was. Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo's film review, which is uh-huh. actually my favorite, maybe my favorite podcast of all time. And I've been listening to it for, for many, many years. And it's right. just, they're just brilliant. The two of them, Mark and Simon, they're, they're, they're great. It's, they're like a married couple listening to them yeah. ramble on and not just about films, but other things. I just love it so much. And it was a huge inspiration for, for starting my own podcast. They were first. And then the Anfield Rap, which is a Liverpool football club fan podcast was the second one and then there was me in third place and i beat like wow. so many other ones I, you know i still can't really believe it um and they they tweeted i have the evidence they tweeted um um like uh here are the gold the gold medal goes to mark and simon the bronze me- uh, the silver medal goes to uh, the anfield rap and the bronze medal luke's english podcast so I got. I won the bronze medal in the Listeners' Choice Awards of the British Podcast Awards, two thousand and something, sixteen or seventeen, and then I then I did it again in the next year, and I got pushed out by George Ezra and friends. Oh. Gee, I know, not George, bloody George Ezra. George. Ah. Every any time I hear anyone talk about George Ezra, I'm like bloody George Ezra, but he pushed me out, so I didn't get in the top three. Um, I was in the top ten though apparently the, 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 yeah. that must mean that um i mean obviously could have native listeners but um that would mean that it's all these non-native 
yeah. listeners voting for the British awards. And no, do so they have to be within the UK. No, no. And this is the thing. Maybe like, um, I don't know, maybe I kind of, maybe I shouldn't even have been in it, but I'm British. It's a, it's an, it's a, it's a podcast that the people voting, I think the, the British podcast awards t- was targeting probably mainly British people who listen to podcasts made in the UK. Um, and, uh, um, and then they're like, "Who's this Parisian who's, guy?" Well, I'm not a Paris. I mean, uh, I mean, I consider myself His IP still to be. Says Paris. No, my IP address says London. My pod, my website is hosted in in the UK. Oh. So I mean, if we're going to get legal on uh, in this case, but <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I think probably everyone, most of the other voters would have been British people voting in the UK, and I've got this international audience. I mean, I don't know. There was. I don't think it stipulated anything about where the voters have to have to be located. Um, uh, so I, I don't know. I'm, t- I'm I'm taking it, Charlie. I'm 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 having it. I'm having that. Yeah, congratulations. Take it, take it. Definitely. Can I can I ask? Was it just a tweet? Did they not give you something? They uh, no. I didn't get. I didn't get anything. No, no, I didn't get anything. But um, I mean, this was the first year they did it. They the 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 next there was an awards ceremony, but I didn't attend. I saw a photo of you attending something. Yeah, that's the that was the British Council Elton Awards. The Eltons are the got onto that yet? Yeah, the Eltons are an industry thing, an English teaching industry thing, and it's all about innovation in English language teaching, and um, it's like writers of course book materials or different types of sort of uh, let's say uh, materials normally for learners of english that can be applied to to the teaching of english people who've written new course books or developed new apps and things like that they can um um apply to to the elton awards and i i was a i was nominated for a british council elton award um in what was the category i can't remember now it's a few years ago, but yeah, I, I was. Oh no! And there's another award. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was given a, 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 an award with my colleague Andy Johnson. Well, former colleague Andy Johnson. Uh, we did a we did a presentation at um, uh, a, a, a BSIG event. That's sort of business English um, conference. It's it's run by um, the same people who run the IATFL conference. Okay. And the um, and Andy and I did the, you know it's one of these conferences where people are giving different speeches. We did a, a speech about um, writing materials with with narrative elements in them, course writing course materials. I used to do lots of course okay. material writing back in the day, and um, so we did a presentation about it, and and we won the award for best presentation by a first time speaker, even though there was two of us. And who gave us the certificate? It was David Crystal. David Crystal, the the, the linguist, the author, the, the writer of, of, of great books, like, for example, this series. This is, this is David Crystal's book about, um, about spelling in English, and he's got loads of other books. Um, David Crystal is amazing. Have you had him on your, your channel? I have. I've interviewed him several times. This is, I think mm. this is his latest book. It's about, the art, it's about how conversations work in English. But David Crystal is one of the, one of the world's you know, most respected linguists and he's an expert on the English language and, and, and stuff. And he's, he's amazing. And, um, and so I got to meet him 
um, when he gave us the certificate, the award, and I got chatting with him afterwards when we were drinking wine at the end. And he's he's great. He's, I think he's brilliant. And so I, I was able to then sort of like afterwards, hey, remember me? Do you want to, would you be happy to be interviewed? And he was like, yeah, of course. He's really, oh. really open to, to interviews and things. Yeah. So that's how I, I ended up uh, meeting David Crystal. Mm. That's lovely. No brainer for him, though, if he's awarded somebody you know the one of the best podcasts for some category he's obviously going to be willing you, there's no better way of opening the dialogue like do you want to come on for on my show you've just given yeah. me an award for how good it is you might as well come on i didn't actually pluck up the courage to invite him on on that day i was too starstruck okay. and too <laughs> i'm not you know i'm a bit shy it might not be obvious but sometimes i'm a bit shy and I was just happy to just to be in his company, just sharing a glass of wine with him. And yeah. and it's the sort of thing that afterwards I'd be like, say to my wife, hey, I met David Crystal. It was amazing. And she was like, she would say, did you invite him on my on your podcast? I was like, no. <laughs> you know, Loser. <laughs> what a stupid idea. No, no, no. Like my podcast, I can't invite him uh, on my podcast. It's kind of like my, how my brain works. And she was like, no, you, you should. You should totally invite him. And, I was, and, then, and then my brain's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I should have invited him. So I actually contacted him a few years later. Um, yeah, it was, you know. A couple of years later. Yeah, because sometimes Very I'm just quick, happy but... in my own world, just talking to my friends and just, yeah. you know, rambling on about my stuff, my, my own, the stuff that I ramble on about. Uh, but then sometimes I think, oh, I should, I should contact David Crystal or, or I should contact uh, Stephen Krashen or something like that. You know, I'm not, I'm not entrepreneurial enough. I should be more entrepreneurial. I think that's what makes it such a good podcast, though, that it's it's so friendly and so um, relatable for, for the listeners, I think. The fact that you've got such, like, people on your podcast that are friends of yours. Yeah. Yes, I hope so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you too. Yeah. Um, Charlie, nice to speak to you. Thank you. Nice yeah, to meet you. This really is nice to speak to you too. This is me wrapping up the uh, the the uh, episode. Uh, very nice to talk to you. Best of luck with the the podcast and the YouTube channel and the wonderful life down under in Australia and um, and the Puma trainers. Which do you still wear? They've Puma perished. Or? They've perished a bit. Yeah, I think I put them. Oh no, I've got one pair left. Okay, yeah, I'll wear them for you. You're allowed to wear Adidas again. Are you allowed? Yeah. Adidas yeah. is back in and your Reebok. life. Yeah. yeah. And all the other brands as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We could be here all day. We could be, couldn't we? Uh, yeah. yeah. Lots of fun, Charlie. Thank you very much. And uh, viewers, you can see, I guess, our conversation that we had earlier today on your YouTube channel. Will it be on your YouTube channel? Where's, this, where's our side of this conversation going to go? Where, where can people find your stuff and our conversation? Um, yeah, yeah. It, some of it will be on YouTube, but the main full episode will be on the podcast. So that will be the British English podcast. Um, but yeah, the YouTube channel is Real English with Real Teachers. Um, so, um, but my my main focus at the moment is is the podcast, and then like all of the learning resources behind it. So I've, I've I'm working <laughs> very hard at the moment with yeah. um, that website that I've I've built. So um, yeah, the podcast or the YouTube channel. But then if they wanted to dig even deeper, the British English podcast dot com. There will be links in the description 
everybody okay so you know do the usual thing and check the links in the description uh charlie great well i'll let you go now because you've probably got to go to bed it's it's probably bedtime or late at night i need to go and have lunch um yeah it's been lots of fun and uh nice one (laughs) thank you very much yeah i will go to bed and i will um yeah wish you a good rest of your day but uh yeah thank you very much again and um maybe see, speak to you in the, in the future yes okay mate cheers bye-bye I- so that was my chat with charlie baxter hope you enjoyed it hope you enjoyed spending an hour or so in our company now just to say what's already been said but just to say it again or to re-say it to restate that's the word just to restate a couple of things so yes there is a video version of this conversation which you can find on youtube and if you do go on to youtube to watch that conversation then don't forget to of course smash that like button because that's what you have to do as we know you've got to smash the like button smack the like button or just, you know, feel free to just gently tap or click the like button in the usual way. There's no, to be honest, it makes no difference how you uh, click like or subscribe. I, I would recommend that you don't smash it because no doubt you'll be using your phone or a tablet or your computer. And if you smash it, I mean, the like button's going to be okay, but your computer will get smashed. So don't smash the like button. Just tap or click gently in a very sober and controlled and sensible manner. That's probably the best thing to do. So anyway, like and subscribe, okay, on YouTube. I'm getting close to 100,000 subscribers now. Yes, it's. is it going to happen? I hope so. And um, if I do actually get there, which it looks like I'm going to, then um, YouTube will probably send me a plaque. Oh, and I can't wait to get my hands on one of those things. Why, Luke? Why, why is it necessary to have a plaque? What's so good about that? I don't know, really. I don't know why that's so great, but it's, it's a thing with stuff written on it, uh, a physical embodiment of 100,000 subscribers. That's what that will be. If YouTube decides to give it to me, because I understand that there is a process. Once you get to 100,000 subscribers, you have to wait for weeks. Like YouTube will make you wait for ages before sending you an email. And I think maybe there's like a process where they have to decide whether, you know, you've you've actually attained those 100,000 subscribers in a legitimate way. Anyway, so hopefully if, if uh, YouTube decides that it's all above board and it's all legitimate... Uh, then they'll send me a thing. They'll send me a plaque in a box. And maybe I'll do one of those YouTube unboxing videos where I sort of ceremoniously unbox the thing live on YouTube. I'll, that's a promise, okay? That is a promise. If I do get to 100,000 subscribers, then I'll do a live unboxing. Oh, why is it that on YouTube we love this so much? Watching people take things out of boxes. <laughs> this is like great entertainment isn't it it is it is it's weird you get someone with a really good quality camera and they've they've set up their camera really well positioned it so that it points at the desk they've even got one of those nice box cutters like a specific little knife that they use to gently open up the box cutting off any bits of tape or paper or cardboard and uh, they slide the box open and reveal the contents unboxing videos Aren't they, um, aren't they an f- interesting phenomenon? 
Um, so anyway, yes, was I, what was I saying? I was saying that there's a video version of this, as you already know, but I'm just reminding you. So you could um, check that out on YouTube as well. Luke's English Podcast on YouTube. If you want to see Charlie's face and my face, um, you know, moving, creating words. <laughs> right. Okay. Also, let me remind you that, as you've just heard Charlie mention, that, yes, he interviewed me as well for his podcast and his uh, YouTube channel. So head over to the British English Podcast, and you'll find a link in the description to the website. And also Charlie's YouTube channel, Real English with Real Teachers, and there'll, there'll be some sort of video version of our chat there. In that conversation, we talked about all sorts of stuff. I don't know how much of it Charlie's going to be using, but we talked about sort of my time playing music in in bands and stuff. And then um, we talked about comedy, doing comedy, stand-up comedy and British humour and things like that. And there were lots of lots of bits and pieces, lots of little anecdotes and things like that. Um, so yes, you might enjoy it. Okay. All right then. Well, good, 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 good. Fine. Everything's fine now. How are you? You all right? Yeah, good. I don't really have much left to say here at this point, other than thank you so much for listening all the way up to this point. And uh, you are a wonderful human being. Because <laughs> this this is how we, uh, this is the criteria for judging someone's value as a human. Do they listen all the way up to the end of episodes of Luke's English Podcast? This is the real factor which marks people out. Their, con- their consistency and commitment to listening to this podcast. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop talking now because I'm rambling. Check out Luke's English Podcast Premium. As you heard me mention at the beginning, I uploaded pronunciation drills, listen and repeat drills with target language from part one of this series I'm doing, which is called What Did Rick Say? And it's all about language that my dad used in a recent episode of the Rick Thompson Report. So if you want to sort of learn the kind of English that my dad uses, uh, then dip into that series and get started, okay? And if you'd like to become a premium subscriber to access all that content and to help support the show, then be my guest, teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. All right, then. I'm not doing a song at the end. I was thinking about it, but I I can't. I don't have time. I've got to go and pick up my daughter. This is the thing I always say, isn't it? This is like, I can't. I've got to go and pick up my daughter now. But it's true. I do have to go and pick up my daughter. So I can't be sitting here noodling away on a guitar when my daughter's like wandering around in the street. Daddy, where's my daddy? Why didn't you pick me up? Why did you abandon me? It's like, oh, sorry. I was playing a guitar on the end of a podcast. I can't let that happen. All right. So I will now stop rambling, but I will speak to you again soon. Okay, in another episode of this podcast in some format. But for now, it's just time for me to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365 day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humor and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.